and welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Well, we remember what everyone else has forgotten, and I've forgotten to cough. <coughs> Hello. Okay, that was weird. I, of course, am Nick Cameron, also of the Glacier Musical Podcast, joined by Duncan Evans, my good friend and musical madman. How are we doing today? I'm doing very well. Why is it called the podcast? Is it because you pour beer? No, but y- yes, but no. Okay. Uh, my joke is, in America, there's this accent called the Mid-Atlantic accent, which is the accent of the hoity-toity. And they right. pronounce things a little bit funny. So right. but one of my long-term running jokes is I mispronounce everything on purpose to be to make fun of that accent. Okay. So originally it was just podcast because it was just mis- mis- mispronounced. And right. then uh, Justin of Stormland put a U in it because he's Canadian. I see. And I looked at that and went, oh, my God. That's genius, because the the podcast is beer, metal, and swearing. There you go. So the beer and pod makes sense. Yeah, got it, man. It worked out. I mean, it was just an absolute stroke of genius that I can claim no credit for. <laughs> yeah, but no, um, everything's good. I've been um, doing a bit of session guitar stuff, playing some classical music. Um, got band practice in a couple of days. We have um, a... Uh, Long weekend next weekend. I think you have a long weekend this weekend. What yes. we have, we have some extra, we call them bank holidays where everything just kind of closes, including banks. Although weirdly, like most shops don't close because they know everyone's off work. But anyway, it sounds like America. Work in the shops. Yeah. So we call them bank holidays. We have an extra one. It is the Queen's Jubilee. She's been on the throne 70 years. Um, I am not particularly a royalist or at all. I have nothing against uh, the Queen personally, but I think the head of state should be elected personally. Um, not something that you're born into. Um, but we you know, get a, we get a kick out of that over here because we don't have any royalty or anything. We have an aristocracy, of course, but we yeah, don't yeah. have the royalty, the nobility. You know, we got rid of all that stuff back way back when. And but we still large amounts of Americans, including my family, watch the royal family as though they matter, which they don't. I mean, the way I understand yeah. it. I, they don't. Me. They don't matter. They have no power whatsoever. It's a ceremonial thing, and there's all this madness about. Oh, I'm the the Countess of Wakefield or some nonsense, and it's like, yeah, but you don't have any power over that region of the country whatsoever. It's just a ceremonial title, the Duchess of Cambridge. What does it even mean? It means nothing. Well, I am in line personally. I am in line the for not the throne because my. <laughs> Although my family has been connected to Richard the Lionhearted. Wow, okay. Through, right. Now, that is not through DNA testing. So who knows if that's true or if that's just an urban legend passed down in my family. But we are Scottish Highlanders, the, the Cameron right. clan, clan Cameron. <clears throat> so technically speaking, I am in line for the throne of uh, Castle Lochiel. Wow. Well, there you go, man. Apparently, there's some story in my family on my dad's side about... Um, uh so, something about this there is some connection to royalty somewhere down the line and there was some um s- some incident where but but something like some ancestors of mine were supposed to be entitled to own half of the town of chester 
and then somebody else somehow came along and sort of um, screwed them out of it somehow. So I don't, I don't really understand it or, or really care that much. But yeah, so there we go. <laughs> but with the way the royalty, we'll call it philandered. Yeah. Wouldn't almost everyone in England have some claim to it? Oh, well, probably. Well, there's that classic quote. I can't remember who actually said this, but there was an interview somewhere with um, on British TV. I think it's like in the, maybe in the 70s where there's this guy talking to, I think, I don't know whether it was royalty or whether it was just an, an, an aristocrat type of bloke and he owned this huge, huge uh, mansion and all the grounds and everything. And, and the interviewer says, so... Um, so how did you get, why is this yours then? And the guy says, well, my parents uh, gave it to me. And okay, well, how did they get it? Well, their parents gave it to them. And okay, well, how did they, How did it start off? And he said, well, eventually somebody fought for it and that's how my ancestors got it. And he says, okay, I'll fight you for it now then. <laughs> so there you go. You well, the, the, and this is going to be the last thing I say, but okay. on this topic, again, we just have this, we, we look over there and we see this whole thing and, you know. Yes. I can remember in seventh grade history when I learned what being royalty really meant. It means I've got the biggest stick that mm-hmm. you deposed someone else in order to have that role. Yeah. And I remember having this like thought in my head of what? There's no magic. There's really. So, yes, it is just. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. So, um, yeah. How are you doing, man? I am good. As you mentioned, we are on our holiday weekend. This is Memorial Day weekend, which is, I believe, similar to Remembrance Day in, uh, yeah, 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 in the yes, Empire, yes. Yeah. Uh, except we have ours in the spring, traditionally celebrated by Americans grilling steaks or burgers or hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am meeting a good friend of mine, Mike, who is on the mend, recovering from some major, major stuff tomorrow, so I will not be grilling I may grill up a steak this afternoon, though. I have nice. decided. Yeah. But other than that, no, everything is good. And since we are all free from the royalty, let's transition into Nick. Some... Was that was that a terrible, terrible pun there? Free, was it terrible? Free from the as, royalty. Okay. I as didn't we know are if that all was free. intentional. It all was right, intentional. Okay. As we are all, all right, free all from right, the royalty. Let us move on to somebody who freed himself from free. What are we talking about today? We are talking about Backstreet Crawler, which was a band, but we're not talking about the band. We're talking about the album, which I didn't even know existed. So this is Paul Kossoff's first and essentially only solo album, barring like posthumous kind of compilation things of unreleased stuff. Wait, did you um, wait? Did you say posthumous? Posthumous, yeah. What that- do you say? We say posthumous. Posthumous sounds like you just finished eating some hummus. Yeah, it does actually. Yeah, posthumous. I think we can say either. I mean, I might just be pronouncing it wrong, but no, I think we say posthumous. Okay. I'm sorry. Anyway. I'm sorry. Um, no, I, yeah. but anyway, yeah. So basically, 1973, this was. Um, yeah, so he'd left free. He'd freed himself from free. I'm not quite sure. If actually, free freed. Actually, free freed him from. Well, there free. you go. You've answered my question. I was going to say I wasn't quite sure which way round it was. Unfortunately, Paul Kossoff suffered really badly from drug addiction since the age of like 15. Um, 15. He was like 18 when they started the uh, when they released the first album. He was 18 only and was already a drug addict. I, th- I think heroin was his thing, and. Um, 
yes, he was very erratic towards the end um, end years of free. I mean, it didn't last long. I mean, we've got to, like, this is 1973. The guy's only 23 years old. Yeah. And he's already been through, like, whatever it is, four or five albums with free. Um, and, you know, that part I believe, that I believe four. I believe they did four because right. they did right. uh, the debut, then a couple more. Then Fire and Water is the one that broke. Uh, I actually picked that up on vinyl a couple of weeks ago, which is the impetus for this particular yeah. episode. Uh, this is my pick. This is another one of those. They've actually got where... five, man. I'm sorry to five? say, they've got oh, five. Okay. Yeah, tons of sobs, free, fire and water, highway, and then heartbreaker. Oh, and free at last. That's six. What? Free at last is a live record. Don't count that one. No, 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 no. Fifth studio album. No, it's um six albums. Whoa. I think I've got half of these, most of these, maybe even <laughs> all of these. But what? Six, oh, man. I'm yeah. sorry. Free live. The live album is free live. Album. Yeah, so no, Sorry. six six albums. So that's crazy. It just goes to show the release schedules back then was so different from now. Like you well, would be at that point in time, yeah, right. Well, at that point in time, every band because Free started releasing recording as a recording artist in 1968. That's where I yep. started. You know, yeah. So and they broke. They were broken up by. 1972 completely yeah. the second breakup because they broke up i think up. 1973 might have yeah actually you're right yeah they broke up then i think they must have released their last album just after they split up or something right. it was released in january 73 yeah they broke right. up reformed and split up all in five years and record six albums but in those times these kinds of bands the, the original bands could get shows where they were the house band they were expected yeah. to play four hours a night play some covers, play some originals. And so bands like The Doors, bands like Led Zeppelin already had huge catalogs of songs already written. So they could go in, crank out the first album because they've been playing those songs for a couple of years. They know them backwards and forwards. And then go do a short tour and kick out another one. Yeah. And then they, and kids also started so much sooner than that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is crazy. You know, nowadays, it's not like that at all. No, it's not. Should be, so but it's I, not. I'm just looking now. So, and I didn't realize this. I've got the album Heartbreaker by Free. But what I didn't realize, apparently, the um, credits on the sleeve are inaccurate. So, Paul Kossoff plays on all of side one and the final track of side two. But the rest is this guy, Snuffy Walden, who they got in as like a session guy because basically... Um, Kossoff was becoming so erratic and unreliable and falling asleep in the studio and not able to play the guitar. So um, there's one track which actually has them both on, um, the track Seven Angels. Um, so, yeah, man. So basically... Um, and it should be mentioned, but before we get too far away from no. this, it, that the Free was only reformed. They broke up. And then they reformed only to save Paul from his addictions. Oh, yes. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. So the belief was that if Free comes back, that he's going to be more motivated and and ready to go and and more on top of things, which obviously didn't happen, which led to the bass player, whose name I do not recall. Uh, Andy uh, Frazier. Yeah. Andy Frazier leaving. Andy Frazier. Did I say that right? Fraser, not Frazier, but yeah. Oh, so he, he left the band because he... Yeah, Andy Fraser. He couldn't he couldn't stand to be around uh he, he just couldn't stand Paul's uh unprofessionalism. 
for lack yeah. of a better term. Yeah. And he went off to start Sharks after. Oh, this. yeah. With and uh, Sharks. Yeah. And Sharks is one of the albums that Duncan sent me in one of our gift exchanges. Very true. And then yeah. I ended up buying the follow up to it because it was some good yeah. Rod Stewart kind of yeah. stuff. So then they brought in a Japanese bass player. And the fact that there's a Japanese person that plays bass is not what's interesting to me, but it's the fact that somebody that they, they actually brought in somebody from Japan. And I think that's pretty significant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, for sure. For sure, man. Um, and that broke up the um, songwriting partnership of Rogers and Fraser. So on the last album, Heartbreaker, most of it's credited to Rogers. I think some are written, some are credited to the whole band, but actually I think it was mainly Rogers, Paul Rogers, who was writing the songs at this point. Um, yeah, and Kossoff got really um, upset and frustrated and unhappy about Snuffy Walden being brought in, even though it was because of his own erratic behaviour. But of course, that kind of exacerbated the whole thing. Um, yeah, yes. if you look at the personnel on the on Free at Last, uh, Paul Rogers, lead vocals, all tracks, lead guitar, tracks five and seven, rhythm guitar, tracks one through four. Mm. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. So even even Paul Rogers was having to uh, help and with it. Simon Kirk, the drummer, played some guitar yeah. on this record. Wow. There you go. Crazy. So basically, anybody in free, grab a guitar. Yeah, and I'm just looking here. Apparently, the um, drug was Mandrax, which is um, called Quaaludes. Quaaludes. Yeah, we call them Quaaludes here. Yeah. So that was that was his thing. It wasn't actually heroin, but I think it's a similar kind of downer type of thing. Yeah, it's it's, the, uh, it's a very very heavy sedative, which is what yeah, you know, just like heroin. So yeah, I, mean, I we... think a lot of that was apparently allegedly at least because of um, he felt really pressurized to live up to. Um, like uh, these legendary guitar players like Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton and whoever else. And he, he was some, he was starting to be compared to these guys and he just wasn't uh, able to cope with that. He found it really difficult to think of himself in the same bracket as them. So he used the, uh, the drugs to kind of calm his, uh, his nervousness and stress at that situation. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's one of the things that when you, you know, I've heard many people in this world say, oh, such and such person didn't want to be a star. So-and-so didn't want to be famous. I I will always say the moment you sign your name to a recording contract, you are agreeing to become famous. And yeah, you are, you, 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 as someone I used to know, as someone I used to know would say, you knew the job was dangerous when you took it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter what label you signed to Metallica signed to a label that was run out of a dude that owned a shopping stall in a flea market <laughs> only to become the biggest band the world has ever known. So Indeed. just keep that in mind. And then, but you have to know how to deal with those kinds of things. And obviously he, he just didn't know what to do. No, in, indeed. So, but yeah, basically, um, Apparently, he was more on his feet during this period. He got himself together a bit. I don't think he quit the drugs, but he got it under control. Although, I will say, he doesn't look great on the album cover. I, I don't no, know, he does man. not. When you but look he also looks face, really terrible you know, on, the, on um, the cover of Fire and Water. I, I remember when I bought that, and I'm looking at it going, my God, 
nobody told you nobody told you five guys that this is the most important picture of your career and you look like ugly sods that just walked out of the rain yeah i mean they didn't even they didn't even pluck uh paul rogers's unibrow and paul kossoff looks a lot like frankenstein i mean they look just just hideous yeah, Paul Rogers probably looks younger now than he did back then. Um, I've, I think he has had a bit of work done, but um, well, they all get work done. The point. Um, <laughs> yeah, their their looks are beside the point. But yes, he did not look. He looked haggard. Yeah. At so and he's what twenty two at this point. Twenty two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, crazy. So when you look at this, like the credits are. Well, look, there's about 15 people on this record. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Um, and there is, in fact, all the members of Free final lineup are on this at some point. I think we'll probably come to the different lineups as we do the track by track. Um, but they're all there. Andy Fraser is there as well. Actually. I do want so, to talk about one track before we do that. I'll do it on the track. Okay. The track. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Molten Gold actually basically is free. Yeah. It, However, well, it's literally free. It's literally an outtake from Free at Last with some overdubs, like the backing singer is overdubbed. Is, correct. Yeah. They yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he just took a free tune and, repur- and didn't even didn't, repurpose it. No, it's the same thing, but it will. It must have been a free tune that he wrote because it says all tracks by Kosov except right. when noted, and there's nothing noted. So he's he wrote that song. Um, yeah, they'd already recorded it a couple of years. Well, I say a couple of years. Literally, I think one year previous. Well, so six months. That's all it was. Well, exactly the rate they were working at. So it wasn't even that old at all. Um, yeah. So there is one free track on here. Um, I would wonder about the legalities of that because even though he wrote the track, they own their performance. Yeah, it's, it gets complicated stuff like that. I mean, he may well have asked them. Like they, they also most can. of them played. Some of them played on other tracks on the album anyway. So it's not they like probably he probably asked then. Um, um, should also be mentioned, you had mentioned that, you know, he was getting his life. I'm, I'm trying to just get all the history stuff. So that way, yeah. when we get to the track by track, it's just, it's just the track by track. Yeah. Um, it, it was mentioned that he was more on his feet at this point in his life. Mm-hmm. However, uh, uh, Rogers did not believe that. He did not believe that he was. Wasn't it Rogers who said he was back on his feet, but but other people have, I think other people have disputed it. And said Let me it. see. Okay, I just read it. Maybe I think I... that's what it is. I think Rogers said, "Oh, he was all right during this time," but then other people are like, "Yeah, was he?" Oh, that's right. But Rogers said he was worried about who Kossoff was hanging out with, probably hanging out with other drug users, maybe drug dealers or whatever. Um, so yes, I can't even find the bit where it said that now. Yeah, I can't find that now. Uh, I think it was on the Paul Kossoff, um, uh, yeah, Wikipedia rather than the uh, there it is, there it is. Uh, da, 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 da. Paul Rogers, Paul Rogers has if said, Oh, I misunderstood. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But Paul yeah, Rogers yeah. has said Kossoff was healthy and playing well in 73, although this is disputed. Yes, okay, yeah, so yeah, and it's just. The, the Paul Kossoff story is, is really tragic, really yeah. cautionary. And before we go too much deeper into this, I would just want to say, as a player, I love listening to this man. His, yeah. He was Joe Bonamassa 
he was the man that Joe Bonamassa wanted to be. Right. Yeah. You know, he, and he's English or was English, I Uh should say, which, you know, Joe Bonamassa can never be, but this is, this is essentially Eric Clapton and John Mayall and uh, God, what's his name? Um, Mick, no, uh, Peter Green. This is their, this is their son. You know, Jimi yeah. Hendrix, Roy sure. Gallagher. This this is Paul Kossoff is the man they 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 created. And that's the yeah. man that that Joe Bonamass always wanted to be. And apparently there was no real there there was no animosity between the the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Between between the members of Free and after after the 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 breakup. The, the final breakup, there was even a time when Kossoff with on this the tour for this album opened up or had free open up for them right in two shows in London. So they were they were getting together. They were the getting free along. was still together after this for a while. No, it was, did I say free? I meant bad company. It was oh, bad yeah, company. right. Bad company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically you had three members of free all in one totally all totally. one stage. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's really cool. You don't hear, you don't hear about that kind of camaraderie post breakup very often. No, sure, man. Well, there's a few other notable players on this. Uh, I, I suppose he gets thrown in as folk rock, but it's a lot more than that. Um, this classic album, Solid Air, is a is a is brilliant. It's actually the back. It's been the background of my phone ever since I got an iPhone. as that album cover? Um, I just like the album cover and the album itself. So he's on here. Apparently, on one on the bonus um, track, the, the sorry, the bonus disc, which I haven't heard. There's a version of John Martin's own song, May You Never, which they did on that, re-recorded it in the studio, which would be quite cool to hear. And Kossoff actually went off and toured with um, John Martin just after recording this album. Um, Alan White from Yes, who sadly has just died literally a few days ago, so R.I.P., um, he's he drums on two tracks on this, and then there's lots of other, apart from most of the members, well, all the members of Free, past and present at the time there's just various uh session musicians none none that i've heard of other than the ones mentioned it, it's it, it's a veritable who's who of whoever was around london at that that weekend yeah well exactly indeed yeah okay well look i'm ready to get into the track by track if you are i am ready to do that i will do my best to expound highly on all of these tracks there are only five when <laughs> And when I chose this album, all I knew was that it existed. One of the yeah. things I do when I buy a new album or to pass time when I'm at the office, hope no one's listening, is I will go to my Discogs collection and I shop around for albums that I don't have, that I haven't heard of, and I found Backstreet Crawler. Mm-hmm. And last week, while Duncan and I were talking about this episode, or what we were going to do next week, because we always talk about that after we record. And he said, oh, yeah, that's the same band from that album I sent you last time. So in the first vinyl gift exchange we did, Duncan sends me the Sharks album, which is a post-free release. And then in the second one, Duncan sends me a Crawler record, which is a post-post-post free release yeah because basically backstreet crawler became 
the name of the band, which was like fronted, but well, I don't know about fronted by, but which uh, kind of led by Paul Kossoff, named after the album. They did a couple of albums, and then when Paul Kossoff sadly died, they carried on under the name Crawler, and that's and why I said they did the thing with that... John Rabbit Bundrick in the band. Nobody else from Free, but yeah, they they did the same thing that that routinely happens when you have a solo artist. Ace Fraley put out an album called Fraley's Comet. The next album was called Fraley's Comet. Yeah. Um, Blizzard See, of Oz it was meant to be like that. Yeah, it was meant to be the Blizzard of Oz. Like and Vinnie yeah. Vincent Invasion, Vinnie Vincent puts out an album called Invasion, the next, the next, then that is now the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty, pretty routine, you know, it's a routine thing that happens all the time. So not yeah. surprising there. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, man. So um, that's I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. If you are, alrighty, let's go ahead and uh, I it's, it's my pick, so I'll lead off. Go. We're we're only doing the standard version. We are not doing the deluxe edition, which has seven versions of track one. Yeah, the deluxe editions. Yeah, and a thirty-eight minute version of one of the tracks that on this is five minutes. Uh, yeah, I don't need that. No. <laughs> so whether we the, needed a five-minute one or not is another question, but we'll get to that shortly. We'll answer that question in in, uh-huh. in due time. Indeed. So this starts off. So now we're gonna do side one right now, which is also track one. Yes. Yeah, track one, side one. It is called Tuesday Morning, and as this track is over 17 minutes long. This is ha- literally half of the album. This is a 35-minute album. This is a nearly 18-minute long song. So, yeah. And it's completely instrumental. Yeah. Which I'm going to try to give you as much information as I can about this one because, wow, uh, got about five minutes into this song and I thought, oh, my God, I have made a terrible mistake. It is too late to change this. <laughs> And is then I thought to myself, is this whole album instrumental? Oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? Because we we sh- we tend to shy away from doing a single instrumental album for these podcasts because it gets a little bit more difficult to to give you. I I want every episode to be about 45, 45 to sixty minutes. That's my sweet spot for these, in my humble opinion. So. It's going to be difficult. I'm trying, though. So we start off with an 18-minute instrumental track that sounds, quite frankly, like an absolute stream of consciousness purging of free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it sound, basically, every free riff that, that he knows, every free everything that he knows is just all over this thing and it sounds like an 18 minute summary of the entire catalog of free yeah basically um it's a really odd move 17 minutes of instrumental music to open an album okay so look it starts with some nice heavy hitting rock and roll groove a bit like humble pie or something like that then it breaks into this emotional chord sequence and it's good then we're back into rock and roll again and i'm thinking when are the vocals going to come in when are the vocals going to come in and it's yeah, like I, I know exactly how that yeah. felt 
and I and th- and I realized that yeah, there's not going to be any vocals at five bass, minutes. You have to accept that it's not coming. Yeah, the bass is very Andy Fraser, but it's not Andy Fraser. Um, Who plays bass weird, on this one? Some nice. Um, whoops. Some yeah, it's a guy called Trevor Burton. Um, I think. I'm not sure what he does. I think he might be um, the guy who was in The Move, actually. there was. Yes, he is the yeah. founding member of The Move and is a go. guitarist. He, right. oh, he's still alive. He's still with us. There you go. So there's some nice soloing, but it just basically feels like we've kind of, it just feels like we, we, we've entered in the middle of a directionless, really long jam. It's like they've just gone in with nothing or with a couple of basic riffs and gone, OK, hit record, play. And I'm guessing it was a Tuesday morning when they recorded. Uh, yeah, I, um, I think you have described this song, this yeah. 17 and a half minute tune, wonderfully in one sentence. It sounds like we came in in the middle of a jam and they hit record. Yeah. And look, it, the thing is, it does, it gets really meandering and it's fine, but it's just like, it's like one of those bands, like you got a lot in the 70s. Led Zeppelin did it when they go off on the really long extended jams. And sometimes it's really magic, but sometimes it's just a bit, eh, and you think, yeah, look, if I was there and it was really loud and everything was happening in the venue, it might've seemed quite cool, but eh, to listen back to on a record, not so great. And it's like that. Now it does change gear a few times. So at six minutes, it goes to this new slow brooding blues rock arpeggio chord sequence with some nice piano and organ, but then it just builds up into more meandering jamming. And I've at this, so it got to about eight minutes in and I've written, this is all rather pointless and a really odd way to open an album. Um, and look, I, I it does, really agree with all that so much. Yeah, it does another change at 10 minutes, some really nice restrained organ soloing, cool delay effects on the drums, but then it just builds up again and goes into more meandering soloing. And in about 14 minutes, it completely breaks down, no drums, comes back in with a really nice chord sequence, really sensitive, slow, minor key groove with some really nice organ washes. But then guess what? It just kind of builds back up again. And then there's more meandering soloing. Eh, then it just ends. Um, nah, this, yeah. this, this is a thumbs down from me. It's There's some great playing, particularly Alan White on the drums. It's fantastic. Technically, you know, technically fantastic stuff. But this is just meandering nonsense. This is not a song in 17 minutes. I mean, three minutes of it's too much. You just don't need that. And to open an album, this is such a bizarre thing. It's like he didn't have any ideas. So there you are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in on this one because before we move on to the next one, I love Paul Kossoff's playing. It is very yep. tasteful. It is very restrained. It is very much in the service of the song. He never overplayed in free mm-hmm. here's the song okay let me be the icing on the cake let me put a nice little rose on top for your wedding cake nice little yellow rose wonderful and that's what he did really well he didn't do that here he over overplayed on this and yeah as much as i enjoy paul kossoff's playing He's not the kind of player that I want to listen to for 20 minutes of just mindless, where am I going? All right, boys, follow me along. Yeah, it needs to be in context of a strong song, I think. Exactly. And there are guitar players who I will listen to that are just basically soloing for 45 minutes. However, this isn't it. 
No. And there's not really any, like, there's not really any riffs. There's, there's some chord sequences that are like a bit riffy and then they just kind of meander off. But there's not, there's nothing to pin, nothing that you can pin down, nothing that really holds it together. And it's seven. I mean, if you're going to do a 17 minute song, wow, you've got to make it worthwhile. Like, yeah. it. You know, I love long songs. I love progressive metal. I even love, as Duncan calls it, progressive nonsense. <laughs> I will listen to Yes. I have several Yes records. I will listen to Kansas. I will listen to Sticks, who aren't nearly as progressive as they wish they were. I will listen to all of Rush. I will listen to these guys and sit there and worship at the altar of the technical playing. But those yeah. guys all have something that this doesn't have. Mm-hmm. A point. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, man. All right. Okay. All righty. The short break is over. I had to refill my beverage. I am drinking for my Canadian list, for our Canadian listeners, a uh, Virgin Caesar. I've got Clamato juice, and that's it, basically. Nice. I have got non-alcoholic Guinness. It's very good. Uh, but before we yeah. move on with this, there was actually something I wanted to mention at the, at the top of the podcast. Uh-huh. Remember when I said I was trying to do all the history so this wouldn't happen? Well, yeah, it happened. <laughs> uh, in recent years, Paul Kossoff's 1959 Les Paul, the stripped down Les Paul that was stolen on tour has been found. Oh, wow. Okay. The only thing they don't know is what he used it for. But it is likely the guitar he used to record this album and the guitar he used to record All Right Now and Fire and Water and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will Excellent. turn the microphone back over to you now. All right. Yeah, I was just going to, I'm just looking at stuff as well. Apparently in 2017 also, um, there was a Paul Kossoff biography released. So there you go. Um, but anyway, I'm going to move on to the next track, which is called, this is side two, of course. It's called I'm Ready. Now, this is not written by Kossoff. This was written by two, for this album by two guys who were in the band, Jess Roden, who's the singer on this track, and um, Jean Roussel, who played the keyboard on this. And um, I think both of those were kind of mostly session musicians. Um, but yeah, it's like a funky soul kind of song. And um, there's some quite good grooves, some quite nice riffs, some interesting chord sequences. It's definitely more of a song. It's not just a jam. It's not the most catchy or direct song ever, but it's quite good. Alan White's on drums again. Someone called Alan Spenner on bass. So it's a completely different lineup apart from um, Alan White. But then after two minutes, 20, it just kind of fades. And it's like, oh, that hardly seemed to have started. Okay, so... It really just kind of feels a bit like a damp squib. I'm, I'm sorry. It feels like a what now? A damp squib. Don't you say that? No. Okay. Well, actually, okay. It's a phrase that we use all the time in the UK. Like a damp squib is when some, like you're expecting um, something really impressive and it's just kind of not, it just kind of isn't. Okay. Um, okay. And, and apparently, but nobody knows what a squib is, but apparently I, I was reading a book recently, which made it clear that a squib is a type of bomb. So essentially, like a firework type bomb. So mm. if it's damp, it's not going to blow up properly. It's just going to kind of f- um, fritter out. Fizzle. Fizzle. That's the word. Yeah, exactly. So there we okay, go. Okay. Okay. That makes perfect sense. I like that idiom. If I remember it, I'm going to put it into my everyday lexicon. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. that is a really good description of this particular tune. You know, it when this song started and he started singing, my thought process was, 
Oh, thank God. However, he kept going. And the relief quickly turned to, what are we doing? Yeah. And, you know, that's that that's kind of a large portion of this album is what are we doing? Well, yeah, exactly. And are we really doing anything? Right. Are we? And we are, I guess now 60% of the way through the record. And is this blues? Is this rock? Is what, what, what is it? Exactly. I, I can listen to a lot of different things, but I want you to know what you're doing. And not, yeah. you know, expect me to guess, you know. So it, it just makes it a little bit difficult that we have gone through such an amazing change up here. We have gone from just, you know, whatever whatever the hell Tuesday morning was, because I still haven't figured out Tuesday morning. Everything into, and nothing all at once, seemingly. Yeah, it's everything and nothing. I think that's a great description. Yeah. And now we're into this, you know, R&B soul song. It, yeah, exactly. But then, yeah, that just disappears after two minutes. And if I didn't know better, I would swear that was the guy that uh, Jimmy Page hired to sing for him in about three, about 10 years after this. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But, I mean, it's just... As much as I don't want to say this, I was actually disappointed. This song was more disappointing than side one. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Which is a really weird thing. Yeah. And then yeah. we move on into Time Away. This is. I know you're going to start on this one, but this is the one that is 38 minutes on the bonus disc of the expanded edition. Okay, you go ahead and you start this one. I'll, I'll jump uh, in. Okay. Well, look, it's like slow and quiet, emotional stuff with a volume swell lead guitar. Simon Kirk of Free is on drums. Um, Tetsu Yamauchi, later of Free, uh, of, of later Free, should I say, is on bass. He was uh, Mark III Free. Yeah, John Martin is on guitar, on like spacey tremolo guitar, kind of in the background, and it's nice. But the problem is, this is just another jam. We've just entered into, it could be the same song. It wouldn't surprise me if it was just part of the same jam they were doing for track one. Um, I only noticed a difference in songs because I listened to a YouTube stream that had commercials between each track. Yeah, so it gradually builds, but it kind of builds to nowhere. It's it's literally, it, it, it sounds like an excerpt from the middle of a long jam, and that's literally what it is. Um, Ah, this is really, they're scraping the barrel. It's like, we have no songs, we have no ideas. Okay, let's just hit record. Let's just play, man. Let's just call it time away. It's bad. How, how are you scraping the bottom of the barrel with your first solo record at age 22? Well, exactly, yeah. I, 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 so far, we have not hit anything that hasn't been disappointing. Totally. 100%. And it's frustrating because there is such amazing playing. There are such amazing talents all over this record. And yeah. all we're getting is this wackadoo nonsense. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, this is not properly 
structured or done. Um, right. Well, you got you start on the next one then, Nick. I will move on to molten gold. Uh, I'm gonna say start off with I think this track is titled exceedingly appropriately because this is the solid gold track of this record. And guess what? It was written two years before the record. And recorded two years before this record. This is free. This is a free track. Yeah, this is free. This is a track that did not make it to a free record. And he took it to, and he's like, here, put this one on. Yeah. (sighs) When, okay. As you put it so wonderfully in the last track, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Here we are. We're not just scraping the bottom of the barrel. He's gone back to the restaurant to ask what they just threw away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how how did we get to this point? Yeah, no, I agree. Great song, though. Love yeah, this song. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, it's kind of balladish. Um, and it's, yeah, it's the full lineup of free. It is just free. It's just they've got Jess Roden doing backing vocals as an overdub. He might have overdubbed a few extra guitars that we don't know about. But yeah, but yeah, it's like a balladish song with a nice lead guitar, organ washes, great vocals from Rogers, strong chorus. Wow. An actual really strong, decent chorus. Um, to be honest, I don't think it's the best song on the planet. It kind of meanders on a bit. Some quite good soloing. You can see why Free left it off, but it's it's good. It's you know it could have been um, a C grade Free song, which is what I, it is. I agree. And the thing about it is, I'm looking at this song in context, and I'm I'm consuming oh. it in context. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Look, I am a C grade uh, looking gentleman uh, on my best uh-huh. day, but when you put me with D grade looking gentleman on their best day. I look great. And that's kind of how this is, is this is the first song that only meanders a little, only gets a little confused. For the most part, it's on point, on track and ready to go. Exactly. Which makes it look wonderful in comparison. I agree. Totally. Okay. And then track five is um, Backstreet Crawler brackets. Don't need you no more. And it's instrumental again. Um, completely different lineup. Comrade Isidore on drums, Clive Charman on bass, their session guys, Roussel on keyboard again. Um, I've forgotten Roussel's uh first Jean. name. Jean Roussel, that's it. Um, yeah, look, there's some lead, quite a nice lead guitar riff. There's loads of piano. The piano is way too loud in the mix. I don't know who mixed it. It doesn't list who actually mixed each track, but this is a weird mix. It's It feels like a rough test mix that they just haven't listened to properly because it's just odd to me. Um, but yeah, like often the guitars are swamped by the keyboards, which is just weird when this is the solo album of a guitar player, but okay. Um, at some point, some congas come in which gives it a bit of a Santana feel. And look, it's okay. The grooves are fine. There's some quite nice chord sequences and stuff like that. It's more structured than, it's not just a complete jam, but it is still kind of, I guess, bog standard instrumental rock really. And then it just kind of fades out and you think, okay, it was all right. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I want to, I wanted to really love this record. Yeah. But as I'm listening to Molten Gold, which was good, a good song. But at that point in time, I'm 25 minutes into a 35 minute record and I'm at the good song. And I'm looking at 
as always, I record, I, I listen to that. Well, I listened to it last night while I was cooking dinner, and I listened to it again this morning. Although last night, all I heard was Tuesday morning, and this morning, as I'm you know cleaning the kitchen and giving it the good scrub down and doing all that stuff, and I'm listening to this song and. I'm listening to this whole album and it's just like, holy crap. What the hell is this thing? And yeah. we get to Molten Gold and I'm like, I really wish you would stop. Yes. And I mean, then that's just how I feel about the song Backstreet Crawler. Also, why would you have a parenthetical title on an instrumental? Exactly. It's really odd, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's usually when that's the hook that they repeatedly sing. Yeah, exactly. No idea. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. No. It's just, it's just, it's stupid. You know, yeah. uh, there's a guitar player named Andy McKee, whom you've probably never heard yeah, of. Yeah, I have heard of him. He Holy plays, crap. Yeah, he's a technical dude, isn't he? Yeah, I know. I yeah, know. he plays a... Uh, He's an acoustic solo yeah, instrumental right, yeah. performer. He yeah. plays this thing called a harp guitar. Right, yeah, yeah. Which is a guitar. Well, apparently, there were only like 50 of them ever made, and he's got like four oh, of them. Nice. And it's got a harp attached to a guitar. It's this weird thing. And I watched him play in a tiny little club once, and I don't even remember where. It was South City somewhere, South St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched him say... This is the song I wrote about my sister's cancer. And right. I'm like, okay. what? I did. And that's just kind of how Backstreet Crawler feels. This is the song I wrote about my life. Yeah. And yeah. it's just you. And I don't really feel like you wrote a song as much as you rolled into the studio and plugged in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is basically the latent motif for this entire record. Yeah, it never. I mean, I would enough. argue this is almost you almost can't claim this is an album. It's like spin it or bin it. It's almost like, well, there's nothing to spin or bin here because you've got the, the first oh. whole side. Well, the first side of the record is just one big jam. So that's hang on, hang basic. on. Duncan is now throwing in a third rating delete so, so it's like well it's just like what's even there the first side of the record is one big jam so that's, that's it is, kind it of is. nothing yeah then you've got this i'm ready which is two minutes that just disappears then you've got a good song. big jam then you've got yeah. a song that's a proper song fine but it's literally just an outtake from free like that that song molten gold should really have gone on the free posthumous posthumous <laughs> album like, <laughs> like they should have that their version of Led Zeppelin's Coda. That's where yes. Molten Gold should be released. Yes. That's where it should be. Isn't part of this album really? Then you've got a, a, an in, one instrumental sort of song, kind of thing. So I would argue there's like there's kind of two tracks on here which are actually sort of tracks which belong on this album, and those are I'm Ready and Backstreet Crawler. So really, it's it's like a, an extended single. It's like they had a single's worth of material that wasn't even strong, and they've just ex- basically, as B-sides, they've just jammed for an hour. It's stupid. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure I heard what I thought I heard. <laughs> Did you just say all they had was a bad single's worth of material? Yes. Holy crap. Okay, that's what he said. Ah, uh, God, I wish you were wrong. <laughs> and yes, that is, it's, it's like, okay, we've got X and we got Y. 
how much how how long is that? Eight minutes. <laughs> how how long is a record? Eh, a lot more. Have you written anything? Uh, no. <laughs> Do you have a band? Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. What do you have? A burning desire to prove myself. Well, young boy, get in the studio because I'm ready to record whatever comes out of you. And that's what this is. This is a song about whatever the hell came out of Paul Kossoff that week. And it's it's meandering is the word of the day because this album meanders and it's it, it never... It, it never finds a groove. It never finds an identity. It never finds anything, but it's always looking for it. Mm. And, you know, so you've got Tuesday morning, there's eight other versions of this song. And they all vary wildly in length. We actually got the longest version. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. So you can't tell me that they knew what they were doing when they recorded that. Cause if you can't even get within 10 minutes of the, the length, there's no map. Oh yeah. Tuesday morning, early take one is four minutes, 31. Wow. Okay. And then there's like Tuesday morning blues, Tuesday morning groove, Tuesday morning boogie. Like, are these even the same? So this is just whenever they do a jam, they call it Tuesday morning. Or like it was just everything they recorded on the Tuesday morning. That's probably what it was, literally. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's probably no writing at all. It's probably along the lines of, all right, give me a 2-4 at 120 beats. Let's do this. And yeah, I don't know if that's actually the, the beat or the BPM. I'm just throwing out numbers and terms that I understand. So just basically telling the drummer, all right, do this, do that, and we'll play. And then we'll tape it and we'll pick the best one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, maybe they did pick the best one, but, um, you know, make it a good one. Well, to paraphrase um, Bruce Springsteen, their best was not good enough on this occasion. You know, one of the things that people of odd music like to say is, well, it's unique. Yeah, but this isn't even unique. That's the thing. I would say it is unique. There's no other song like this. Okay. However, unique is not a compliment. Unique is a characteristic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And it was bad. So half of the album is bad before you even flip the record over to see what the hell else is coming. And then more than half of that side is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, yeah, sorry. No, I go ahead. I, I I was I was solid. Yeah, no, look, basically, um, look, Molten Gold is quite good. It's a free song. It's not good enough to spin this record for. It's not. Look, if you've got all of the other free songs, you don't really need this one. It's not True. the best free song at all. It's not even in the middle, really. It's, it's on the lower end of the free song. I would all. not put this on fire and water, even though there's no. room. Exactly. So, look, it's been it. I, I think. It's all, I mean, well, it, it is barrel scraping this. This is the sort of album that, I, you know, a lot of people would have been really waiting for and really excited to hear. And it's, uh, it, it, it's, um, 
almost exploiting people's willingness to pay for his name. Wow. Not this is not a se- well, it's just not a serious album, man. It's like, oh, we just threw some nonsense together that's pretty bad. And I, I really don't think it's stop um, speaking truth. <laughs> so, no, I have to say, been this and look, man, look, I get it. He was probably, even though Rogers thought he was um doing better at this time, he was probably still suffering pretty badly with his drug addiction. Um, you know, pretty safe to say through a great time, maybe doing this album helped him to just get his life a little bit more together and helped him to kind of stay with it for another year or two more. And I suppose if that's what it achieved, then fine. You know, if it kept him going, led to him getting his next band, Backstreet Crawler, so that he actually was having to keep himself together that little bit more and didn't completely go off the rails as soon as he might have done, then fine. But but for for, for the listener, no, been it. Yeah, um, as you said multiple times, and I wish I could contradict because I wanted to love this, really did. I mean, I only heard about this album, like I said, three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So this sounds like the kind of record that you put out uh, after you've eaten your, after the artist has eaten all the hummus they're going to (laughs) eat and you're waiting. That's a callback. So this sounds like something you release posthumously Yes. Say it. to just go I need here just in case you want every bit of Paul Kossoff you can get absolutely and you would not these days there's no way you'd get away with releasing an album like that unless it was um, I'll say posthumous I, I probably <laughs> I'm, just, I'm probably just mispronouncing it probably not I like posthumous <laughs> But you, you wouldn't get away with that now. No, like, no. If, if Joe Bonamassa, for example, says, right, my next studio release is this. I just got some guys together, but, oh, it's cool because, you know, we got Slash in for five minutes and we've got a jam called Jam with Slash and it's like just us jamming. Then, and then we did this song no. on Wednesday evening, so we called it yeah. Wednesday Twilight. Exactly. And it's like, no, that's that's going to get turned down. They're going to reject that straight away. It's just not up to the standard that it needs to be. Correct. So, yes, I am definitely been this one. It, I hope I mean, the, the crawler record that Duncan sent me is actually quite good. It's, yeah, I think I've got a back. I think I've got the first backstreet crawler one. And I remember that being pretty good. Um, although weirdly enough, I think it's on that very album, the back or, or the next one, one of the Backstreet Crawler albums, they had to get in a guy to um to replace to, to basically play some of Paul Kossoff's guitar because I presume it was all going wrong again. And they got the same guy, Snuff, Snuffy McGee, or whatever. it's not Snuffy, Snuffy McGee, McGee. <laughs> it's, it's Snuffy something. Sorry, sorry to Snuffy, who I believe is still with us. Um, he might be listening, I doubt it, but um, yeah, they got the same guy in, they had to do the same thing. But I do, as I say, remember that album, Backstreet Crawler's first one. I can't remember what it's called, the band plays on it. I think it's called. I remember that being pretty all right. Yeah, and it there. This sounds like what they should have done before they put out the album. Yeah, yeah, That's, exactly. That is all I have to say about Paul Kossoff's Backstreet Crawler. Stay away from this one. Yeah, exactly. Yes, uh, me too. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>